All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the GT Power Hour. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to our 31st episode. It's mid-March 2022, and Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine has been going on for several weeks now, affecting people all over the world in many facets of life. Here on the home front, those impacts are mostly manifesting as shockingly fast increases in fuel prices, where, according to AAA, the national average gas price is currently $4.25, up roughly 16% from $3.66, just a week ago. On the electricity front, the main news at PJM may be its ongoing reevaluation of resource adequacy that is extending to a variety of stakeholder groups. But as usual, there's a lot going on. Uh, and we're, we're going to keep it short today because we've got a lot to get to. With that, I'm your host, Rory Sweeney. And with me always is Glenn Thomas. Glenn, do you have any personal impacts from the war in Ukraine? Well, that's an interesting question. You know, I, I did look up today. Pennsylvania is actually uh, home to the third largest Ukrainian population in the country. Um, Illinois is on that list as well. Illinois, I think, is five. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of local folks in the Ukraine situation. We actually have some some friends who are Ukrainian, and we've had some very interesting and and and, and really disturbing, quite frankly, conversations with them. So really? yeah, our thoughts yeah. and prayers obviously go out to everybody impacted directly by the situation. It's just tragic what's going on there right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, you sort of foreshadowed there where we're actually going with today's episode. We are going to focus on something fairly uh, important in PJM right now. Would you like to introduce this month's guest? Yeah, I'd love to. But before I do so, Roy, I'd like like to throw a joke at you. You ready for it? Oh, wow. Switching it up this month. Yeah, I'm asking you a question. I don't know if we can do the formatting (laughs) change. This is, I'm sure if I can handle it. Okay, are you ready? Go for it. A utility regulator, an attorney, and a train engineer walk into a bar. Which one do you want to talk to? Uh, you don't have to answer because okay. this month we this month we have all three in one person. Ah, so, oh, I talk to all of them. <laughs> there you go. We can talk to all of them at the same time. Yeah, this month we're joined by Carrie Zalewski, who's chairman of the Illinois Commerce Commission. Uh, she's been there since April of 2019, uh, comes comes to the commission, obviously, with a lot of background as both a utility regulator attorney and a train engineer. Uh, but she spent uh, several stints in state government. She was at the Illinois Pollution Control Board. Uh, before that, she was at the Illinois Department of Transportation. She's uh, heavily involved in her community, heavily involved in NARUC. She's chair of the chairman's committee at NARUC, which is a new thing that she started herself. Maybe we'll ask her about that a little bit uh, later. But, um, you know, she has a lot on her plate right now, and we're looking forward to get into getting it into the issues with her. But uh, welcome, Chairman Zalewski, welcome to the GT Power Hour. Thank you, Glenn and Rory. This is really an honor to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, thank you for being here with us, Chairman. And uh, we've got a lot to discuss, so we'll just get right into it. With you as our guest, our regular listeners no doubt expect us to talk about CJA, and uh, we'd hate to disappoint them, so uh, we might as well get started with it. On September 15th, 2021, Governor Pritzker signed the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act, or CJA, into Illinois law. The bill was 
more than 900 pages and touched on a lot of issues from putting Illinois on a path to 100% clean energy by 2050, to workforce training and development, to electricity consumer protections, to rebates for EVs, to ethics and rate making reforms for utilities in response to a bribery and political patronage scandal involving ComEd, one of the largest utilities in the state, to advancing utilization of energy storage ever since then, and probably for quite some time before then, uh, for that matter, it's been a consistent topic of conversation with the descriptions historic, landmark, sweeping, and ambitious included with comparable frequency. You and your staff penned an article summarizing the order and suggesting the upcoming work could, and I quote, could serve as a regulatory playbook for other states similarly looking to adapt their grids for a clean energy future. Chairman, is C just such a big deal because it sets Illinois up as a leader in the Midwest for decarbonization, or is there more to it? Great question. Uh, before I begin uh, answering your question, I always have to say these are my thoughts and my thoughts alone and don't necessarily reflect those of the commission or the commissioners. And I also want to note that Obviously, these dockets will be coming before me or are before me. So what I'm going to do when talking about seizure is really lean into the language of legislation um, and not able to really opine or discuss dockets or even make predictions, obviously, um, of where the dockets will move. Um, so to answer your question, there's a lot more to it. Um, there are notable characteristics of CJA, such as how holistic it is, how inclusive it is, and how rapidly it will bring regulatory change to Illinois. And let me break down some of those terms. In terms of being holistic, CJA, as you noted, Rory, stands for the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act. So there are three operative words in that name, uh, climate, equity, jobs, and to meet these goals set out by CJA, there's a menu of tools that aim to reach the goals. Uh, on climate, of course, it sets out um, goals to zero out carbon emissions in Illinois-based uh, Illinois generation. And it also incentivizes more DERs on the grid. It lays out a framework and incentivizes transportation electrification. With regard to equity, equity is truly woven throughout the bill in the 900 pages, nearly 900 pages, creating opportunities to increase diversity in the clean energy market and the protection of environmental justice communities. It, it really aims to ensure that no one is left behind in Illinois as we transition to clean energy. It's a, it's a jobs bill too. It creates clean jobs, workforce hubs and incubators in apprenticeship programs that position Illinois to be a center for clean tech companies and manufacturing. And in this, this whole holistic theme, it extends to the dozens of dockets that will be or already are opened before the Illinois Commerce Commission or the ICC, as we affectionately call it in Illinois. Um, for example, we have to audit the grid to better understand its resources. We have to approve transportation electrification plans to ensure the, the grid and utility rates support more EVs that are inevitably coming online. I'll note that in Illinois, we have a goal of 1 million EVs on the road. In Illinois, by 2030, we have a lot of work to do in that space. Um, we have to issue a storage study 
aimed to increase the energy storage deployment in our state. We have to approve performance-based metrics to incentivize electric utilities to help support CJA's core goals. And in a docket that will bring all of these issues together in one, we have to approve multi-year integrated distribution plans or IDPs that will require utilities to submit longer term plans to address the grid's long term needs and goals aimed at supporting decarbonization and facilitating DER deployment and enhancing reliability and resiliency and reducing grid congestion and also optimizing grid assets. And you mentioned, you mentioned ethics, and that's certainly an important piece of it. CJA bolsters the Commission's Ethics and Accountability Division, which will require utilities to file annual ethics and compliance reports. Um, the first round will be coming out in May, so we'll see what that first round looks like. Um, I mentioned the word rapid, and I want to spend just, just a, a minute or two talking about the pace of implementing these policies. One of the notable things about CJA is that it requires the ICC to approve the first round of these dockets within three years. So I, the idea behind these tight timelines set in our legislation is that climate change is coming at us fast and it's going to require rapid action. Now, IDPs and PBRs and beneficial electrification and interconnection rules are swirling around in states all over the country, no doubt. These are not new concepts. I have uh, had a chance to speak with the chair of Hawaii about his PBR process, but in Illinois under CJA, we are going from zero to implementation within three years for most of these dockets. And I want to highlight, too, that these dockets are iterative. Um, they're not a one-and-done approach. Rather, many of the dockets will come before the commission in the future, again, providing a chance to refine and build upon performance-based rate-making and IDPs down the line. And lastly, and perhaps most importantly, I think CJA is exceptional in how inclusive it is. Of course, equity is based into almost every aspect of CJA. And when I say inclusive, I mean ensuring voices of communities that have been historically left behind um, are no longer left out of the conversation. There are parts in CJA that direct additional resources to be directed in this way, like additional rebates for charging stations in EJ communities. But CJA aims to ensure that the grid modernization process is inclusive and that all stakeholders have a chance to participate in a meaningful way. For example, the commission is holding multiple workshops where anyone can participate, and CJA even requires us to hold these workshops at certain times of day. For example, this uh, commission is hosting workshops in after hours to make sure that someone is um, able to attend even if they have to put in a full workday. Um, also, I'll note that CJA requires the creation of an intervener compensation fund to ensure legal costs aren't a barrier for consumer interest representatives to participate in commission dockets. And I want to just put a quick plug in to participate on this whole topic of, um, of inclusivity. Uh, we want to ensure that all stakeholders are a part of this process, and we want robust participation. And these workshops allow for everyone to participate. So I want to encourage anyone listening to this to please follow um, our dockets. We have a website uh, that is dedicated to CJA moving through the process, and we want everyone to participate, particularly in the workshops, also in the dockets where it makes sense.
Carrie, did your eyes just sort of boggle when when the legislation came out or, you know, you were seeing the as it was going, uh, being developed? How does how does it work when you're when you're seeing this this coming your your way? So uh, obviously, this is a part of the sausage making process. And we're yeah. watching the bill move through. We realized and we're gearing up and, and trying to be ready for these dockets coming at us in a very rapid way. I don't know if you can ever be ready. I think I liken it to, to uh, becoming a parent for the first time. Do you really know what it's going to be like? No, it just, the, you know, you're, you're, you find yourself in a situation and you step up to the plate. The other thing I'll note that, and, you know, I, a very important piece of, to this is, and then we're, we're very appreciative, is the ability to hire. So our uh, ICC staff were an agency of about 200. And interestingly, in that 200 number includes a whole transportation division. We we do other things. We um, regulate safety at railroad crossings, for example, and we uh, regulate intrastate movers um, and also towing operations. So that takes up some of our headcount. Under CJA, we were given the ability and the funding to hire about 56 new people. Um, so we're going on the public utility side, the pub side, as we call it, from a bit over 100 to 110 to adding another 56. Now, you know, grateful for that, but hiring takes time too. So um, we're just kind of swimming in it right now. I, 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 I'm confident we truly have the best staff in state government. I can say that with conviction. I know we'll do it, but that doesn't mean we're not working overtime trying to, to meet deadlines. Yeah, no, that, at least they gave you the horses to do it. And for anybody listening who has a resume, get it into the Illinois Commerce. Yeah, Department. they're they're gonna they're gonna get need some uh, some help there. But you know, you you went through that list, and I mean, a couple things stood out to me. And one, you said the word dozens of dockets, and you know, I mean, commissions all across the country, you know, you know watch legislation pass and get new responsibilities associated with it. I I can't think of any other piece of legislation that has spun off dozens of dockets. That's quite an impressive list of issues you're, you're tackling there. But, you know, I, I think it's important to note that as you think about these issues, you know, many states have these conversations about performance-based rate making or intervener uh, compensation, um, and they're debating at, the, at least the commission level whether they're good ideas. In the case of CJ, CJ, you're being directed. You're being directed by, you know, the General Assembly of Illinois to do these things. It's not a question of whether intervener compensation or performance-based rate making are good ideas, you're being told they are good ideas and that you must implement. Does that change the conversation within your building at all? I assume it must. It's a great question. I think it really speaks to that the expediting of these dockets. I talked about the going from zero to completed dockets within three years. And you're right. You're absolutely right, Glenn. There's no debate about, um, you know, whether we should take up a certain docket. A lot of times the cadence, at least for the ICC, is doing a notice of inquiry, whether we should open a rule and then starting a rulemaking. And that's a whole process that can take months. And then you get to the docketed part. Well, we've bypassed the notice of inquiry. We bypass, in some cases, rulemaking. There are instances in CJA where we're directed to open rules like, like an interconnection. So absolutely, it takes whether we should or shouldn't off the table. With some exceptions, there's, there's a couple. I'll give you a couple examples. One example is uh, storage study. So we are supposed to issue a storage study, certainly with the idea to increase storage in Illinois. 
but the storage study is is a, a study we're filing. We will vote on it in an open forum, but it'll be a study that we submit to the General Assembly with recommendations and the ability to do more. Um, another example is um, low income rates. And so we will, we have to open a docket to examine whether we should do low income rates. And we have been granted the authority to do so if we think we should. So, you know, there are some that we are ordered to do, but there is some that also have some flexibility and, you know, ability to weigh in on whether we should or shouldn't do something. All right. Well, let's, let's maybe take that and then transition to a conversation that was, you know, one of the bigger issues. Um, I mean, it's always a big issue as it relates to utility regulation. That's reliability. And, you know, I haven't met a regulator yet who hasn't said that reliability is their number one priority. However, CJA puts limitations on operations for existing fuel plants, and it puts many plants uh, in the state on the path towards, uh, towards closure, quite frankly, uh, because of their, their ownership structure and their emissions profile. Now, Illinois is in both MISO and PJM and can draw power from other states. We know that. However, it's certainly reasonable to assume that the closure of these plants could impact the ability to keep on the lights in Illinois. So you're chair of the commission, um, Chairman Zalewski, you get the calls when the lights go out, you get uh, the legislators mad at you if there's reliability issues. Um, how, do you, how do you think about reliability in a post-seizure world? Obviously, you know, we all wanna avoid the events that occurred in Texas last year and occur in California on a somewhat now regular basis. How do you prevent Illinois from going down that road? Yeah, great question. Uh, Obviously, I never want to make legislators mad that it's not ideal, but I'll just say even apart from that, whether, you know, whether it's if you're called down and I have authority over or not, I mean, more than that, I I want to keep the lights on. We talk about, you know, what keeps keep regulators up at night and it's keeping the lights on. I was serving this role, watching from afar the devastation in Texas, and I will never forget that feeling. It, it, it was, you know, I, it's, it's etched in my brain. It is something that is always top of mind. Um, you noted, of course, we're part of two RTOs, um, and I think it's already been noted as well that uh, Illinois' investor-owned utilities are not vertically integrated. So the ICC does not regulate generation and we do not perform integrated resource planning. And we rely a lot on our two RTOs on PJM and MISO, which have their own zonal resource adequacy requirements. Um, and we know RTOs have been doing this for some time and there are mechanisms to ensure the lights stay on even as the generation makeup changes. And of course, Illinois will and, and, and has and will always continue to engage the RTO on various stakeholder processes at the RTOs. And I, I can assure you that we are very involved and will continue to monitor as CJA is implemented. Now, since CJA has passed, um, we know that the RTOs continue to think about this resource adequacy issue and are working, uh, in, in my opinion, to stay ahead of potential reliability issues. A couple examples um, for long-term purposes, PJM and MISO have begun a joint study of the impacts of the requirements from CJA with a report to come out later this year. I just... Um, I was not in attendance of the meeting, but I, I saw the slides where um, my PJM rather was discussing this study. Um, and in the short term, PJ and MISO are in various stages of issuing guidelines that 
will allow the RTOs to direct generators to run without penalty for reliability purposes, whether it's energy needs or emergency needs or voltage considerations, and is coordinating with our Illinois EPA on these guidelines. So we are very happy uh, to be in two RTOs that are responsive to these issues and, and looking ahead as well. Um, but on the state side, so Coal retirements were happening in Illinois, um, like in most states, before the passage of CJA. So arguably, and I believe the General Assembly was acknowledging that um, this was happening and, and they wanted to provide tools to help us ward off reliability issues with generation retirements. Um, so under CJA, of course, we're looking at ways to increase storage and further energy efficiency and further demand response and I want to note one more point um, on this. I want to highlight one more point under CJA. Um, so just a few, in just a few years from now, in 2025, the IPA, which is the Illinois Power Authority uh, in, in Illinois, the IEPA, and then the ICC must examine the status of decarbonization and resource adequacy and reliability and also consult with PJM and MISO with the changes under CJA. And that report specifically states that if it can be reasonably demonstrated that a resource adequacy shortfall will occur, then the EPA and the IPA are required to develop a plan to reduce or delay CO2 emission reduction requirements. Now, this is only to the extent and for the duration necessary to meet the resource adequacy and reliability needs of the state. And this analysis I'll mention will need to be conducted again in, in five-year intervals. So CJA has clearly contemplated resource adequacy issues and has included safeguards. Now, when it comes to keeping the lights on, of course, I have the authority and responsibility over the distribution grid. And so, you know, arguably tools under CJA like PBR and IDP will allow us to plan better for a more reliable a grid of the future, if you will. And Finally, of course, we cannot discredit the focus on transmission to ensure resource adequacy um, as more renewable generation comes online. So as coal plants retire, one of the things that has allowed and will continue to allow for reliable service is being able to move clean energy over longer distances between zones and interregionally between RTOs. As you probably know, we're in the midst of the long range transmission plan in MISO, which is a plan to significantly build out the regional transmission system as part of the RTO's reliability imperative. And the plan is specifically designed to accommodate the influx of renewables needed to meet state and utility clean energy goals. Well, Carrie, it sounds to me like you're, uh, you're both satisfied and confident in the, the work that MISO and PJM has done. It, you're, you're, you're happy with, I mean, it, it has to be difficult to sort of keep keep track of both of them, but it sounds like you've been doing that and you're pleased with how things are working out. Yeah, I think that it is certainly, you know, we're all, it's kind of the whole theme of CJA and this whole process. I think, you know, there are, there are checkpoints where we keep checking in. Um, I like that there is this forward-looking approach. Um, and so I'm appreciative of the RTOs of engaging. They really do have staff that, you know, engage with the state. Um, and, and so for that 
for to answer your question, I we are we are we think that the RTOs are have done um, a good job serving uh, Illinois uh, cons- consumers uh, and ratepayers, and I have confidence that we'll all continue to be impressed and and pleased with um, their approach going forward. Is part of that reliability study, and I don't, I don't know the answers, is part of that reliability study also looking at emissions reductions as a result of this? Because, uh, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes PJM did my, I think it was in Pennsylvania, actually, with Pennsylvania joining Reggie, that actually increased emissions under certain scenarios. I really am leaning on the language of the statute. It's my understanding that it is a, a resource adequacy and reliability okay. um, review. And then it, it, it states that we are allowed to, you know, veer off if necessary for reliability purposes. Let's talk about CJA's multi-year integrated grid plan requirements. So Illinois is a restructured state with retail choice, meaning you don't do the integrated resource plans or IRPs for generation planning that are familiar to regulated states. The market is supposed to take care of that for you. But now you're doing these integrated grid plans for distribution level grid planning, where your two big utilities, Ameren and ComEd, are required to detail how they plan to, among other things, support decarbonization, facilitate DER, distributed energy resource deployment, enhance reliability and resiliency, reduce grid congestion, and optimize grid assets. That is a tall, unprecedented task. How are you going to make that happen? It's like the old adage, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is <laughs> one bite at a time. Yeah. And so yep. <laughs> there are a lot of incremental steps aimed to implement this plan. Um, a lot of steps in short time uh, to ensure its success. So um, we have first, we've already created our integrated distribution planning division within the commission. So I talked a bit about the hiring process and how we've been given a new headcount and it's been funded. So in this new IDP division, we're hiring attorneys and engineers, accountants, rate analysts, cybersecurity analysts, IT specialists, and policy analysts to staff up. So as already as you've already plugged for ICC, please send good people our way. The total division will have at least 13 employees dedicated to the task of reviewing these complex dockets. Um, and within a month of CJA passing, the ICC hired an outside auditor to conduct an independent baseline grid assessment. So I talked a bit about like increasing headcount, but CJA does allow for the ability to bring an outside help for particular purposes. We're grateful for that. So the purpose of um, this this, uh, grid assessment was to have a complete picture of the distribution grid so that the assets can be more fully leveraged as a part of these multi-year plans. And that audit includes the creation of a database to inform the multi-year planning process and also the identification of any current data deficiencies that may limit the process. So the auditor, uh, I'll note, will submit its report to the ICC in mid-April. So check back on our website for that. Um, I want to speak a little bit about workshops. The ICC hired a third-party facilitator to host a series of workshops focused on multi-year plans, and that 12 
workshop series, and I'll repeat that again for emphasis, 12 workshops began in December and will continue through May. The result will be a report that will be filed in July, and this should provide us a good framework for the multi-year plans. Um, these workshops are covering everything from hosting capacity analysis to community needs to leveraging third-party resources to provide grid solutions to various planning scenarios. And I, I'm glad to see that we are seeing a wide variety of participants in these workshops, some of which have helped with the implementation of IDPs in other states, and which can help us, of course, bring best practices and lessons learned in Illinois. Um, I want to, again, note how open and inclusive we are really trying to make this process be, and we really value the ability to have this approach informed by stakeholders and community needs rather than just a top-down approach. Um, and I just kind of repeating some of the themes I mentioned before, um, you know, an intelligent thing about CJA is that there are statutory requirements of how the dockets come before the commission. And this IDP process is one of the last ones of the dockets that come before us and they build upon each other. So utilities need to file their IDPs by next January and the ICC needs to approve them by the end of 2023. But that is only after the ICC has already approved the storage study and the utilities beneficial electrification plans and performance-based rate-making metrics and the interconnection rulemaking and a dozen other dockets. So many of these dockets have elements that will inform the IDP. So CJS kind of builds on itself from a regulatory standpoint. Um, and along the way, it prepares commission staff and utilities and stakeholders and commissioners themselves for these big multi-year integrated distribution plans. Um, and, and lastly, it's worth noting that um, there may be things that are less than perfect in the first round of IDPs. And that's why it's important that the plans are iterative uh, and that we will continue and these dockets will continue to come before the commission so they can be tweaked over time to address any issue or concerns that may arise. You know, I have to ask you, you know, you're talking about 12 workshop series, all this other work. Do you anticipate your time as ICC chair will be defined by Siege's implementation? I think it's a great question. I, I think that is you know, I, I see that as my number one priority right now, ensuring that the that CJA gets off in the right direction and that we are meeting the goals that are laid out in legislation. Absolutely. I, I think that it's an all hands on deck. Of course, all credit goes to staff. It's not, this is not Carrie, the Carrie Zaleski show. It's all staff, <laughs> 100%. But yes, I do think that it is, it is on my shoulders. I take it very seriously. It is, you know, it's, it's what I spend my day doing right now. Right. Yeah. And there's no doubt it will be. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm still the guy from Pennsylvania who implemented the electric choice act. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to shake this one, <laughs> but I like, I'm like picturing your office, like with like a big whiteboard, like up on the side with like all these like lines and dates and, and, you know, arrows to each other. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it must be so difficult keeping this all straight. I have lots of notes. I have rolling notes. Well, you know, so I have obviously my own notes to keep, to keep track, to keep track of dockets. But, you know, I have to say, I look on the website too, just like everybody else and our <laughs> website, it's very wordy, but it's, it's updated, you know, daily. And mm -hmm. so I'm looking like everybody else um, to follow the dockets um, but certainly it's, you know, we are 
constantly checking in with staff to make sure. I mean, I think my job is to make sure that if there are staff needs and if there is going to be an issue that we see coming, that we do something about it to make sure that the staff has the support and the resources that it needs to, to, to meet these deadlines. Yeah, I feel like you need like a Radar O'Reilly on this, right? You know, remember <laughs> the guy from MASH who was like, you know, always kept the kernel on his straight and narrow. I mean, just somebody who's always constantly reminding you, oh, today you got to decide this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, all right. Well, let's talk about one last issue and then we can move on. But uh, the one that everybody's been waiting for, utility rate making, um, something that all our listeners have been waiting for. Um, pre-CJA utilities had formula rates in Illinois, and that led to concerns of utility over-earning. And now utilities have PBR, performance-based rate making. Talk to us about the difference between the two approaches, and do you believe PBR is the better way to go here? Um, you're, you're correct, Glenn. We are moving away from formula rates under which utilities would earn a return on equity tied to the treasury bond rates, which actually was lower than the average ROE um, uh, that was, you know, that we see nationally. But under, but under formula rates, um, you, what's, what's different about formula rates versus traditional is, and I'll, I'll get to PBR too, but under formula rates, the utilities come to us after making capital investments and ask us to review prudency and reasonableness of those investments after the fact. So under CJA starting in 2023, utilities will have a choice. They can either file a traditional rate case or they can file PBR. And um, PBR in Illinois has two parts. It's a multi-year forward-looking plan. It's a four-year plan. And it's accompanied by performance-based metrics. And the metrics are, what the metrics are, are currently in a docket before the commission. Um, There were workshops leading up, but the the metrics are squarely before the commission. So performance-based rate making, put simply, as a way of aligning utilities' financial interests with policy goals that the legislature or the commission or stakeholders deem beneficial. In short, it sends signals to the utility and incentivizes them to achieve certain aims. And in the case of Illinois, some of these are prescribed in statute. Some of them, there's a little flexibility to be determined. But in Illinois, uh, these metrics speak to preparing for more EVs to come online, um, incentivizing more customer-owned and third-party-owned DERs to be deployed, reducing peak load, uh, ensuring customers' calls are being answered in a timely manner, increasing the diversity of utility suppliers and contractors, and an increased focus on utility resources in environmental justice communities and economically disadvantaged customers, among other goals. And from the utility's perspective, the benefit is that they could, of course, potentially earn a greater return if they hit these marks. Um, and really one of the benefits of this type of rate making, you asked the, some of the benefits of PBR, especially when paired with IDPs, is that CJA envisions that it could be more cost effective by incentivizing a more efficient usage of resources at a utility's disposal, rather than having a utility come in after it has invested in resources and ask the commission to allow the company to earn a rate of return on that investment. Um, PBR combined with IDP allows for a better view of long-term spending, which could allow for savings that could ideally put and hopefully put downward pressure on rates. 
And in return, utilities get some certainty that they'll be able to earn a return on the investments in those long-term plans and be rewarded for hitting certain benchmarks that are aligned with public policy goals developed from that broad stakeholder input that I mentioned. It's good to hear about the benefits of PBR in Illinois. Uh, it has a much different connotation here in Pennsylvania. And Milwaukee, right? <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, Chairman, complete this sentence. CETA will be a success if. Well, you can take away the if. When? All right. Love the confidence. When? When? <laughs> okay. So there are so many metrics that can be used a decade from now to look at whether we were at a success. And you can invite me back, you know, in five years and you guys can give me a grade. So, so that's fair. I'm All right. laying, laying that Mark out there the now. Mark the calendars down now. <laughs> we'll do that. I love it. Um, but... I want to focus a bit, you know, we, we are confident, and you heard my confidence in my answer, that it will be success and meet the goals laid out in the legislation. And a big reason for this is the extensive and inclusive process. So I've talked a bit about it, um, and this is really where my job comes in. It's, it's the dozens of workshops. It's the extensive input from the utilities and stakeholders and community members. It's that iterative process to improve on implementation along the way. So it's, it's this type of implementation that leads, in my mind, to successful outcomes because we're hearing from so many parties and trying to balance so many interests always attuned to issues that may pop up along the way. And we are, of course, very willing to learn and adapt as we move forward. And I just, again, credit goes to our incredibly dedicated staff. They're putting in so much time and resources to support the, the success of CJA. Yeah, I, I love that answer. And as, you know, as we're going through this whole list, you know, the one thing that sort of struck me is the one thing that could really throw some interesting curveballs in siege implementation is if anything you do get appeals to the courts, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think, you know, your, your, the, the inclusive process and, you know, the, you know, ability to work with disparate interests early in a conversation um, certainly should help maybe take some of that risk to a, to a, to a lower spot. So um Anyway, you know, that was one of the challenges we faced candidly when with the implementation of electric choice in Pennsylvania. I mean, we we're really worried that, you know, things got to the courts, it would not only take longer, uh, but the outcomes could, um, you know, be really troublesome. And I think the same thing probably applies here with CJ. Yeah, you make, you make a solid point. And of course, anybody can appeal, you know, any type of issue, but process is, is you know, that is something yep. that the appellate court takes very seriously. So we are taking it seriously as well. Yeah, no, that's wise for sure. One last question. Uh, we talked a lot about a lot of different issues today. Uh, let's talk about retail competition for a minute. You mentioned Illinois is a restructured state. Uh, how do you see the future of retail competition in a post-seizure world? Yeah, I don't know. This was the path we're on pre-seizure. So I'm not sure, you know, I obviously I think CJA trickles down in all ways, but um, just so we were focused on this before CJA, um, you know, you mentioned we are a retail choice state. And what that means is customers get to choose who provides their energy, either, you know, whether it's a utility or a alternative retail electric supplier. Um, we we call them, you know, we have Aries on the electric side and AGS on the gas side. So we allow for competition. And um, I, I want to note that 
we are working really hard to try to rid the market of bad actors. So while Aries certainly can be a good deal for municipalities and for industrial and large uh, commercial, excuse me, large commercial customers, um, we are seeing individual residential customers overpaying sometimes compared to what they have paid under, they would have paid under regulated utility rates. And so that's a great concern to us, especially in the instances where these ARIES or AGSs um, involved in those transactions aren't adhering to the law. So to help combat this problem, in 2020, we launched uh, at the Illinois Commerce Commission a new legal enforcement team within our Office of Retail Market Development um, to ensure accountability among ARIES and alternative gas suppliers. And to date, that enforcement team has negotiated settlements and penalties amounting to millions of dollars, much of which has been returned to the affected ARIES customers. Um, we recognize we can do more. That is why the ICC uh, is currently helping write legislation, House Bill 4973, which will give us some additional tools to help ensure more ARIES are on better behavior. I think this will probably segue pretty well. Illinois, you're talking about retail competition. You know, Illinois currently has some of the lowest electricity rates in the Midwest. You're talking about getting rid of bad actors. Do you foresee those rates continuing in under the the changes that CJ will bring? Yes, I. Okay. The short answer is, you know, keeping rates low is the plan, and it is what I strive to do. Um, we we know that. We know that low rates are, of course, not only important to our residents, especially as we see inflation really hitting um, Illinois and, and everybody in the United States. Um, but it also is very important to attracting more and more businesses to our state. Uh, we, we talk about our electricity rates and, and how low they are and the reliability of our grid when we try to attract new businesses to Illinois. This is a priority for, you know, for the governor, for everyone within our state. Um, and you know, there are undoubtedly upward pressures on rates for a number of reasons, but it, it's my job to ensure that we minimize increases and we remain competitive. Uh, I think CJA provides us with a lot of tools to ensure that we can make this transition in a very cost-effective way. I've talked a bit about them now, but I'm, I'm just going to uh, explain how they fit into this conversation of keeping rates affordable. First, the performance-based rate-making docket requires the utility to file the incentive metrics. I've talked a bit about PBR, um, but one of the metrics is to keep delivery costs affordable and uh, tracking metrics that will ensure rates reflect costs, savings attributable to this grid modernization. And one of the ways it does it is by leveraging DERs in a way that allows the utility to defer or even forego traditional grid investments. In IDP, uh, integrated distribution plans will sync utilities distribution planning over a four-year horizon which creates the opportunity to make cost-effective decisions. IDP specifically requires utilities to optimize grid assets to minimize total costs, including by leveraging customer-owned and third-party-owned resources to accomplish that goal. And as part of IDPs, utilities must also consider various rate structures to shift load to off-peak hours, thereby potentially mitigating the need for additional capital investment. While these are not 
They are not easy problems to solve for. Long-term planning presents the opportunity to for increased cost effectiveness. And I also have to mention, I, I think I mentioned earlier about this low-income rates. Uh, as part of CJA, the ICC is responsible for studying the appropriateness of discounted rates for low-income customers and for providing a report on the topic uh, to the state's General Assembly by the start of 2023. Afterward, the commission will also have the authority to require electric utilities and gas utilities to file tariffs establishing low-income rates. While these rates will not apply to everyone, they could provide greater affordability and, and equity. There's that equity uh, piece associated with this clean energy transition that is envisioned by CJA. All right, time for rapid fire. You know how this works. Our audience knows how this works, so I'm just going to get started. March 8th was International Women's Day. To celebrate International Women's Day last year, Nehru posted a video of you discussing the importance of grit for success, your education in engineering, and how energy markets are more difficult to grasp than quantum physics. So rank these movies. True Grit, choose your favorite version, RBG, The Martian, or Apollo 13, if you prefer, and The Theory of Everything. Okay, this is a really great question. It's, it's a lot of fun. I really like watching movies that are about real people. So I'm to trump the Martian and True Grit. The RBG, I, I really do love that documentary. Um, of course, she is the second woman that is appointed to the highest court, but she's the first justice to be a full-fledged pop culture as the notorious right. RBG. I think that's um, very fair, yeah. Very cool, and... I love how the movie starts. It starts with a her working out and watching an 80-year-old woman work out is like, that gets me pumped. I, I love seeing <laughs> that. So that's a great movie. Um, Theory of Everything, I, you know, Stephen Hawking's amazing. I would say the movie was done at, it, in, inter, it injected a little too much Hollywood for me. So that would be my criticism. It's not, it has nothing to do with uh, ranking these people in history. Uh, I really did love The Martian. It was a great movie. Um, I love when he, of course, I think we all love when he grows that potato out of the spud and he's able to survive. I, I That was just incredible. Um, True Grit, great name, uses my favorite word and has an excellent heroine. So uh, that's how I'd rank them. Since we're ranking things, which of these is better, White Sox or Cubs? I'm really kind of offended by this question. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even like to have the two name two teams named in one sentence truly i was raised a proud cubs fan and okay. it's part of my childhood and and i'm gonna quote eddie vetter when i can so in quoting him <laughs> when you are born in chicago you are blessed and you're healed the first time that you walk into wrigley field i mean who else whatever their field has a story a, a song written like that uh it's tr traditional baseball field and it has ivy walls and rooftop gazing opportunities it's zero competition i know i'm talking a lot about the field but i really have so much affection for that field but the players are amazing as well i grew up going um you know, I actually grew up in uh, rural Illinois. Uh, it's called Ottawa, Illinois. And I grew up near the LaSalle nuclear plant, not far mm. from Starve Rock. Oh, and so good. we would all hop in the car. And I mean, I think my parents would buy tickets probably for $5. That is not the case anymore, of course. But we went, you know, in the 80s and watching Ryan Sandberg um, and then watching uh, as, as the years go on with Sammy Sosa um, and Jake Arrieta. So like really exciting 
Of course, they have a, uh, a World Series, a recent World Series. That was a really uh, exciting day for me. Um, and I don't even want to talk about the other team. I, I can't even keep up with, <laughs> with the names of their fields. I mean, is it Misty, Karen T. Brady? Right. I, I can't. It's just, no, I can't even. You know your state pretty well. Born and okay. raised. I went, to, I went to undergrad, University of Illinois, ILL. I went to Kent Law School. So, yeah, I, Illinois is, is my stomping ground for some time. Okay, well, let's keep it going. Bobby Hall or Michael Jordan? Okay, so Bobby Hall and Michael Jordan, they're both dominant forces. I, I, you know, I, I follow basketball more certainly okay. than I do hockey. So I'm going to pick Jordan, but I, you know, I just have to also put a nod. I don't know, you know, one of the, the first days of COVID were not easy, but when the last dance came out, I mean, that was certainly a highlight of those first months of COVID. I re- I think the world shut down and it, well, the world was shut down, but I think that everybody was tuned in and it brought back all the memories and of watching the bulls rise through that time. And it's just, it's just a great story. Al Capone or Elliot Ness. Okay. Al Capone, Elliot Ness. I, I got to go with Elliot Ness. So walk while Al Capone. <laughs> I is, said hope so. Yeah, right. You're a regulator. I, right, thank you. Good, good call. While Al Capone is very fun to watch in a movie. We love the untouchables. You know, he wreaked havoc on my beloved city and it's a dark spot. So I'm going to root for Elliot. Okay. That go. makes sense. Ferris Bueller or Jake and Elwood blues. Ooh. Okay. This is tough. This is a tough one. Yeah. All right. So we know that Jake and Elwood were on a mission from God. Uh-huh. Ooh, uh-huh. That's, that's, point. that's, uh-huh. that's, that's in their favor. Um, Ferris Bueller. Uh, he, he visited, I mean, we talked about how much I love the city of Chicago and he hit it all in one day. He went to the art Institute. He went to, I'm going to, it's the Sears tower. It's always going to be the Sears tower for right. me. Um, and then he, of course, he went to Wrigley Field. So, I mean, he just had this wonderful day that if I were to to pick one of, you know, the characters I could be, it'd be Ferris Bueller. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, uh, it is fair that the Blues Brothers spend most of their time somewhere outside of Chicago, mm-hmm. somewhere around 106 miles. So uh, <laughs> it was dark and they were wearing sunglasses. They were. You- <laughs> But they uh, had a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. They did. They did. <laughs> okay. Four whiny kids or four whiny commissioners. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my gosh. So this is one of those times where the question includes the answer. Wine. Wine. Wine with no H, right? No. No, seriously, how I'm going to answer that is, I, you know, I work with an incredible group of professionals and they, you know, they come from a variety of backgrounds and perspectives and life experiences. And this all makes the commission a better place. So I, I, uh, you know, I really am grateful for the commissioners that I work with. Okay. Chicago land or down. Wait, wait, wait. she didn't mention oh. her kids at all there. So well, I, I thought that, I thought that was, I thought that was fairly self-explanatory. If you can't say something nice, no, it's, it's very, it's, it's loud in my house. It's, it's loud. It's loud. They're not going to listen to this anyway. That's yeah, true. that's a good point. And like, and like, like four commissioners, they're all very different. Same gene pool, but just very different. So they all bring different, you know, their strengths. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's quite, it's, it's really exciting in my house most days. <laughs> all right. Chicago land or downstate? So this is tough. I, I talked about how I grew up in rural Illinois, so I definitely have an affection for the farmland that's in Illinois. Um, 
but so I, you know just com combining the two eating a, a deep dish pizza while sitting in the garden of the gods <laughs> which is downstate uh, illinois if you haven't been it's in the shawnee national forest would be the perfect compromise so i'm wow. not gonna pick myself or pjm just like we talked about uh you know having a favorite child um these are things you keep in your head you don't say out loud um and just like your children they change you know on a dime like some days one's up the other one's down so no comment okay all right rgb or aoc i think it's too early to judge aoc's career okay. uh so with 13 years in the dc circuit um and 17 years on scotus rbg gets the nod okay obama or lincoln it's another tough one so Obama has a decent jump shot, but I, but I think Abe, <laughs> I think Abe could take him down low in the post. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I like the pivot. I like the pivot on that one. Very good. Very good. Okay. Uh, what does it take to get a date to an Alpha Omega Epsilon formal? I am asking for a oh. friend and I'm not sure uh, who whom that friend is, but he might be on this podcast. Oh <laughs> my gosh. That's hilarious. Alpha Omega Epsilon is an engineering sorority for those who don't know. So the answer I think would be a good understanding of differential equations. And <laughs> I think I'd like to see a slide rule in your dress shirt pocket. That, wow. that would go, oh, go a boy. long way to getting a date. Wow, wow. My there's friend a joke has no in chance. There. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a joke in there about the slide rule, but I, I'm not sure that yeah, I'll just, we'll just, all right. So oh, name, oh, yeah, yeah, name yeah. someone you consider a role model in the energy business. I have a lot of role models. I, you know, I think that you both can appreciate that this is such a humbling industry. I, you already referenced how I, I likened it to, to quantum physics. It's so challenging. And, um, I'm always continuously amazed by the depth of knowledge um, in, in Glenn and Rory. I'd, I'd include you in that, in that group. Um, so I, you know, you mentioned Glenn a little bit earlier about this chair council and it's really allowed me to connect with current chairs and also chairs that have moved on to greener pastures like yourself, Glenn. And so I consider so many of them role models and a lot of them you'll know by first name only because um, they're, they're infamous uh you know colette awesome stan paul sally travis doug rob and glenn you too um and then I, I also i really lean on and have so much respect and look up to um staff commission staff I, i've talked a lot about them but i i ask all kinds i ask all the questions all the dumb questions to my staff and they have all the patience in the world and i i don't think that illinois is unique but in illinois you know i'm looking at you jim zoneric and rick bridal and torsten clausen and kate mccormick um and you know in working so i serve on the board at the organization of MISO states and i get the chance to work for, with staff from other states and it's the same story there uh trisha DeBleeker from minnesota is such a whiz i am grateful for any time that she'll give me a bit of her time to explain things so um there there i have a long list of role models and i'm just grateful that they are there to answer all all my questions well i appreciate the double compliments there not only to us personally but then saying that glenn has gone on to greener pastures which by <laughs> definition includes me so i'll, I'll take that <laughs> not bad 
Okay, what keeps you up at night other than obviously four whiny kids and four whiny commissioners? You know, I, we talked about keeping the lights on. We talked about Sija. I mean, the reality is is that there's a lot of challenges that I both stepped into in this role, but also that continuously um, come come at me have come at me since I stepped in through, you know, COVID and, and Texas outages and, and now Sija and. I, I am humbled and honored to serve in this role. So what keeps me up is trying to do, not to, not to um, steal from Hillary, but trying to do as much good um, for as much with, with the time I have here. Um, so it's, it's the ability to make as much impact as I can with the time that I will be given in this role. When you leave office, we talked about how you'll likely be remembered, but how would you like to be remembered? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, and just kind of, you know, feeding off the last answer, I want to be remembered. You know, I I do like being challenged and that's really what I like about this job. And so I hope that I'm remembered to stepping up to these challenges that have been laid before me. Um, I'm not going to get it perfect. There's no doubt, but I hope that I have a track record of solving or at least moving in the right direction. A lot of these problems that's thrown at me. Um, And then, and two other things that are are really important to me uh, are accessibility to the commission and not just, you know, accessibility in all fronts. So obviously we want to make sure that the consumer advocates have access to the commission and are able to participate. I also want citizens to have accessibility. What we do is, you know, interestingly, it impacts every single person, but it's also extremely complicated. So, you know, trying to find that balance and pushing out information and trying to um, explain it in a way that citizens can understand is important to me. And I'll also mention, I want to make sure there's accessibility for, um, you know, innovators and new technologies and business models. It's a really, really exciting time to be in this space. And I love to learn about new technology. And I, I really, I think it's important to make sure that all of these types of, of parties um, have access to the commission and know about the dockets that we're doing. I talked a bit about the website but ensuring that there's engagement. And then uh, I, last thing, uh, so it's a lot of things, but a last thing <laughs> is building staff morale. Um, I, I've told you already about my appreciation and affection for my staff. Uh, I always have respect for people that um, go into public service. Public service is a calling and I respect those that respond to that calling. But at the ICC in particular, and I've worked at a variety of state agencies at the ICC, we have hands down some of the most professional dedicated staff. And I I want them to know that they're valued. And so I really work and try to think of ways to build staff morale. And, And by the way, that I think that produces the best work product and also will help us with that attracting and retaining talent. Yeah, you realize pretty quickly that you can't do it on your own, right? And especially with the plate as full as yours. Uh, so having that staff support is essential. I, I've heard, and I don't know if if she coined the phrase, but the A team and the B team, I'm on the A team, they're on the B team. They're going to be here after I leave. Like, right. you know, commissioners go in and out, but the staff stays and they're the experts. Well, yeah. And I mean, I mean, I remember, and it, I mean, we're about to get to our two minutes of advice section, but <laughs> you know, uh, here's advice for any new coming incoming commissioner. Um, and I did it my second day in office. I went around and shook every hand in the building because um, you, you realize the building has to be behind you. If you've got any chance of being successful, that's for sure. Yeah. Love that. Yes. Agreed. 
What a segue, Glenn. Okay, it's now time for the section of the show in which we offer unsolicited advice to people whom we think need it. Carrie, who would you want to talk to and about what? Okay, so I would speak to your listeners, and, and, and I think what your listeners know, the first part, of course, is that we all know that the energy space is the best space to work in. Like <laughs> We all agree it is, it is challenging and complex and, and evolving, and um, I know- I you per- say that to all the utility sectors. <laughs> no, no, no. I- Just hate to water, no way. <laughs> well, water has its challenges. I spent some time in water in my previous role, but uh, you know, my favorite part about this job, I, my best, my favorite job I've ever had. So my favorite part about this job is that I learn no less than 10 new things every day. I love that no kidding. I get to do that tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I mean, my brain hurts sometimes, but I love that about this job. And we need, so this is getting to my, my ask. Um, we need to flood this industry with the best and the brightest. We need um, to talk to the next generation of not only lawyers, not only engineers, but also the CPAs, the MBAs. Um, we need writers and and communications people. Rory, I know you have a background. Do, in, do in my writing. best over here. <laughs> I, I uh, my policy advisor, who's just really, really smart. Um, it was a reporter and I love that he was a reporter. And so, um, that the, the ability to take these complex issues and then, you know, present them in the way that people can understand it is, is, is really a skill. Um, so my ask is, you know, mentor these new professionals, talk about it to the next generation. Uh, and of course it's a little self-serving. We're trying to hire 50 people. It's not easy. The DOE is hiring a thousand people, 1000, I heard. I mean, so the yeah. competition is fierce. The market is on fire. Um, so we need to talk to kids and young professionals about how wonderful this space is and how we really need the best and the brightest. Um, and then if I have 10 seconds left, do not let your kids grow up to be Sox fans. It won't end well. <laughs> You'll never be able to find the field. They change it every couple of years. It is, you're, it's, not, it's not good. It's not good. That's great. Um, okay, Glenn, what do you got this month? All right, yeah, I'm going to change it up a little bit, Rory. Uh, I'm not going to go with what I prepared and instead give our listeners a reading recommendation. Uh, over the holidays, I wrapped up reading Daniel Juergen's A New Map. It's his latest book. Uh, oh. I've been a big fan of Daniel Juergen for years, yeah. but it's particularly relevant in light of this Ukraine conflict. Obviously, energy has been a big issue as part of that conflict. And it's a it's an entire book dedicated to the geopolitics of energy and Ukraine and Russia and China. They're all fit, uh, featured prominently in the book. So if anybody's looking to do some great background reading and ironically, it was done before all this conflict. Yeah. And in, in some respects, it actually predicted the conflict we're in right now. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and pick it up. It's a great read. Do either of you have any final thoughts? I do um, kind of two final thoughts. We, we sure. talked a bit about Ukraine and I haven't touched on this. Um, I talked about my one policy advisor. I have another policy advisor named Tanya Robchak. She's from Ukraine, speaks Ukrainian, speaks five languages. She's literally a genius. Um, and, you know, we, I know she is feeling for her country and we all are too. And so I want to echo thoughts and, and, and prayers for Ukraine. This is, it's, it's devastating. I, um, you know, we're, we're all here to support the, the stories coming out of Ukraine of the resiliency of the, of the people there are amazing and inspiring. And so, um, you know, we're all, we're all rooting for Ukraine. Um, and then my second point is, Come work at the ICC. I've heard the boss is solid. <laughs> Glenn, how about you? Anything? 
Yeah, the, the boss at the ICC is definitely awesome. And this has been a terrific hour. Thank you so much, Chairman Zalewski, for joining us. I'm not sure, Rory, we can wait another five years to get her back on because yeah. this is so much fun. We're going to probably have to do it a couple times before then. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, very much. So we might have to have her uh, bump uh, Chairman Glick's next uh, About uh, scheduled it. visit. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's on a schedule, so we'll see. Uh, Okay, well, thank you, Chairman, for making the time to visit with us and, of course, our audience for listening. Until next time, as always, be excellent to each other. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the GT Power Hour. The views expressed on the show represent those of the hosts and not necessarily any GT Power Group client. For more information, please visit www.gtpowergroup.com that's g-t-p-o-w-e-r-g-r-o-u-p.com thanks again and we'll see you next time